Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, hey, one of my favorite movies is the Kevin Hart, Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie, Central Intelligence. Anybody seen that? It is a great movie. It's a funny movie. It's clean family humor, for, for the most part, anyways. And the show begins with Kevin's character, Calvin the Golden Jet, and Johnson's character, Robbie, and they are in high school. Now, Calvin, he's the cool kid. Calvin's the popular kid. He's the star athlete. And Robbie, well, he's not. He's a little out of shape. He's kind of a loner. He's a little timid. And he finds himself in some unpleasant situations. And then the movie jumps 10 years later. And these two meet up again. Calvin basically appears the same But Robbie has undergone a complete transformation. Man, he's buff. He's chiseled. This guy is cool. I mean, everything about him is different. He's completely changed, even his name. He no longer goes by Robbie, but he now goes by Bob Stone. And it's like, is this even possible? I mean, this story doesn't add up. How does somebody go from this to this? Well, this movie made me think of another story that's found in the Bible where things just don't seem to add up. They don't seem to match up. It's in Acts chapter 2. It's where the followers of Jesus, they were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish celebration commemorating the completion of the grain harvest. So they're all gathered together. Now keep in mind, this story is taking place 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. And the ascension, as it's called, occurred 40 days after his resurrection. So here's our timeline. Jesus is crucified. Three days later, he's resurrected. And 40 days later, he ascends to heaven. So now, 10 days later, they are in Jerusalem on Pentecost. There are 120 of them now together. And Acts 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this was the moment that the Holy Spirit had come upon the followers of Jesus. And from this point forward, for Christians, Pentecost switched from being a celebration of the grain harvest to being the day on which the church was started since the Spirit brings the church into existence. Pentecost is now the birthday of the church. So that was just a little history lesson for you. What made me think of this story in relation to Bob Stone was that on that day... In Acts chapter 2, it was Peter who stood up for the very first time and gave the first sermon at the very first church service. I mean, of all the disciples, it was Peter. 
And here's why that gets me. Because just two months earlier, it was Peter who rebuked Jesus. Not once, but twice. The first was when Jesus, he's telling his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, that he must be killed and be raised on the third day. And Mark 8 verse 32 says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine this? Um, Jesus, we need to tone it down a little. You're starting to scare the boys. I mean, although I've seen you perform healing after healing and witness you calm a raging storm, not to mention a couple people you brought back from the dead. I mean, I uh, realize you're the son of God and all, but... Let me tell you what I would do in this situation. Now, the second rebuke was when Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet. Peter wanted no part of it. Both rebukes got Jesus fired up. And man, he let Peter know about it. And now Peter is fearlessly standing up and leading the church. The same Peter who just 53 days earlier couldn't even stay awake and stand guard and pray when Jesus needed him the most. If you remember, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Man, he's so overwhelmed with sorrow over what he knows is getting ready to happen to him. He's getting ready to be handed off to the authorities, sold off by his friend Judas to be mocked and to be beaten and put through the most horrifying death imaginable. And scripture says Jesus was actually, he was actually weeping tears of blood. He was so distressed knowing what awaited him. And twice he had to wake Peter up and say, Peter, I need you right now. And now Peter... Man, he's awake like never before, boldly preaching the gospel of Christ. And just days after this first sermon, he goes into the public square, he teaches again. 2,000 more people commit their lives to Christ. So just in a matter of days, 5,000 people join the church. Peter goes from Denying Jesus three times to leading 5,000 people to him in two months. I mean, this is like two completely different people. And I think maybe what gets me the most about this is I think a lot of us can relate to Peter. Man, I know I can. I've rebuked God. I've said, God, I don't want to do things your way. I want to do things my way. I've fallen asleep spiritually. I've neglected to stand watch at times. I've neglected to be in prayer for my family or for loved ones as I should. Or for those who've needed me at certain times. And you know what? I wonder how many times I've denied Jesus by not acknowledging him before a meal. Or in front of certain people. Being too scared maybe to take an opportunity to witness to someone. I mean, I think we all deny the Lord in our own way. Maybe it's in in your school hallway. Maybe it's in your workplace. 
Maybe it's just when you seem to be around a certain group of people. Sometimes it's easier to tuck that cross away than to proclaim it. I just think Peter's story is real. It's personal. He is me at times. And I bet, I bet he's you at times. So how does one go from being an ordinary, normal fisherman named Simon to being used by God in such powerful ways? I mean, I think the answer to this, if you read the Gospels, if you read Matthew, if you read Mark, Luke, or John, you will see Peter was not afraid to take risks. And I believe to get anywhere in life, to achieve anything in life, you have to be willing to take risks. Now, I don't think all risks are good. Some years back, my wife Loretta and I, we were going to a December Colts game with Pastor Chris and his wife Jennifer. And as I was waiting for them to show up at the house, I was wandering around the family room where the Christmas tree is and where all the presents were. And I came across a box that had yet to be wrapped. Well, I assumed it was for one of the grandkids, so I popped back the top to look into it. My wife does all the Christmas shopping, so I'm as surprised as the kids are when they open stuff and what they got. But anyway, I open the top of it and I look in and it's a brand new Colts sideline hat. Just like the team wears. And it was an extra large. I got a fat head. She had got it for me. Oh man, was I excited. But then I thought, I'm going to the game today. I'm going to the game today. I don't have a new hat to wear to the game. I've got an old hat. I've got a dirty sideline hat from a past season. That was yesterday's news. So I concocted a plan. I took the new hat out, put it on my head, and I took my old dirty hat and I put it back into the box and I closed the lid. We went to the game. My wife never noticed a thing. Never said anything. My plan worked brilliantly until Christmas morning when I unwrapped the old dirty hat. And she's looking at it. And I can see her mind processing things. And then she realized what I had done. She wasn't happy. She was not happy at all. She said, how can a man of God, a pastor no less, be so sneaky and conniving? And then I let her know Pastor Chris knew about it at the time. He should have been more on it. He should have been a better example. Well, needless to say, I've yet to get another new hat. But that was a risk that I took that didn't really pay off. But here's the thing. Not every risk you take in life is a positive. And here's what I want everybody to get. 
There is a big difference between a risk and a step of faith. That's what I need you to know. A step of faith is a risk that you feel God calling you to do. If your risk has no way of glorifying God, it's not a step of faith. It's just a risk. Now here's the big idea for the day. A risk is about what you can do. A step of faith is about what God can do. A risk is about what you can do. A step of faith is about what God can do. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We are going to be looking at three steps of faith that Simon Peter took that ultimately put him in position to impact lives, to impact the kingdom of God. And I believe as much as we resemble the weaknesses of Peter and the failures and the shortcomings like we just talked about, we are all just as capable of being used by God to do equally amazing things. And I believe it's all in the way that we step. So the first step I want to talk about, the step that started it all for Peter and the first way we should step is to step in. Step in. Now to illustrate this step, I want to go to Mark chapter 1 verses 16 through 18. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Peter stepped in to a relationship with Jesus. He made a decision to follow Christ. And see, this is the step that just begins everything. Peter's life changed the moment he made that decision to follow Jesus. His identity changed when he accepted Jesus' invitation. That's why it, why it says at once they left their nets. You see, the moment that he stepped into this relationship, he went from being Simon the fisherman to Peter the rock. The new name that Jesus gave him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. When you say yes to Christ, you're making a decision to follow him, to leave your old life behind. You get a new name, Christian. You get a new life. You get a new purpose. You get a new destiny. You see, when we make the decision to follow Jesus, we change. Our identity, that changes instantly. Our eternal destination changes instantly. Everything else, though, in between, that stuff takes a while. That stuff takes time. But as we begin reading the Word of God and we surround ourselves with a church community, we start to see things differently. And then we start to feel things differently. We don't want to do all those same things anymore. And that's us dropping our nets. See, I stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ 17 years ago. 
And I knew that day that life was going to change. Didn't know how, didn't know how much. But I knew something had just happened. Now keep in mind, I knew nothing about church. This church is the only church I've ever been a part of. I knew nothing about the Bible. Everything was a learning experience for me. I mean, it was honestly like that I was starting in kindergarten. And I remember going through first steps with Chris. And he was explaining the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. I've never heard that before. I remember thinking if this Chris Bunch dude passes any Kool-Aid around, I ain't drinking it. But as I was learning, man, God was chipping and God was chiseling away at my life. And I was beginning to see differently. And I was beginning to feel differently. And I was beginning to do differently. Man, I had a potty mouth back in my day. I could tell you jokes that make your toes curl. But I slowly began to change the things I would say. And I slowly began to change the things I would do. It was just like... It just didn't feel right anymore. Certain things just didn't seem funny to me anymore. I was dropping my net. The old was gone. The new had come. And with this came new people that I started to surround myself with. Individuals who shared the same beliefs and the same desires that I had to grow. And through church, I found people whose spiritual walk was further along than mine. Man, and I'd see how they were, how they were doing things. There would be integrity and there'd be character and I'd be inspired. And I'd be encouraged by them and I would be challenged by them. I'm telling you, the right person in your life can make a huge difference. There was once an elderly gentleman who loved playing golf, but he was almost 80. And his vision was not very good anymore, so he always had partners with him when he went out to play so they could watch his ball and they could tell him where it went. Well, one day his buddies didn't show up and it was a beautiful day for golf. And as he waited at the clubhouse, he was just getting more and more upset that he wasn't going to be able to play that day. Well, another elderly man in the clubhouse saw him and he said, well, what's wrong? The man explained his predicament. He said, I was just looking forward to playing golf today, but I just don't see very well anymore, so I just need someone to watch the ball after I hit it. Well, this second man, he was older than he was, but he said, that's no problem. He said, I'll be glad to ride around with you. He said, heck, I got 20-20 vision. I can see like a hawk. You concentrate on hitting the ball. I'll watch it fly down the fairway. So they went out on the first tee. The old man hit the ball, crushed it. Man, right down the center. He turned to the spotter. He said, did you see it? The man replied, whoo, I saw it all right. Woo-wee, did I see it. I watched it all the way until it stopped rolling. Well, the old man said, where'd it go? Older man paused for a minute, said, I forget. Friends, you need people around you that see where you're wanting to go and can help you get there. 
See, when Peter took that when Peter took that risk and he stepped into a relationship with Christ, it was like that one move in chess that just kind of changes everything. You see, along with a new identity, along with a new destiny, Jesus put a group of people around Peter to help him fulfill his calling. And this was all a step in preparing Peter to do what he was going to be called to do. And we're no different. You see, God sees what we are capable of. And God already has this grand plan for our lives, a way that we're going to make an impact. And he's just waiting for us to say yes so he can start putting all of that together. That's the first step. You step in. Well, the next step of faith Peter took and the next we should take is to step out. Step out. And to illustrate this story, I want to go to a very popular story in Matthew chapter 14. Now, this is where all the disciples are in a boat and the wind's getting heavy and the waves are getting choppy and everything is getting scary looking. And then Jesus comes walking across the water towards him. And I'm going to pick this up in verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, I know this story can be taught to show another one of Peter's many failures. If you know the story, he took his eyes off Jesus and he sunk in the water. So I get that. But I can't help but think, here is a person that not only stepped in and committed to following Jesus, but is willing to step out and prove it. I mean, it was storming. The water was rough. The boat was a safe place to be. I mean, I think this is an amazing story of Peter stepping out of his comfort zone. No one else was jumping up, eager to do what Jesus was doing. And the thing is, when we become afraid to step out, our story starts to stall. We stop growing. When we get to the point where we get a little too comfortable sitting in the boat, we stall. And the thing is, if you're fine with just stepping in to a relationship with Jesus, that's okay. Your identity changed. Your eternal destination is secure. But you are never going to reach your potential. You are never going to experience God's grand plan for your life if you don't step out at times. You don't walk on water by sitting in the boat. We need situations to be in. We need situations that are going to push us. We need opportunities that will allow us to step up because it's all part 
of the growing process. So a year into my new life as a Christ follower, I reluctantly agreed and volunteered to go on a mission trip to Gulfport, Mississippi and help with the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And let me tell you something, this was way out of my comfort zone. I actually battled the temptation to cancel this all the way up until the last minute. I mean, I didn't want to ride 16 hours one way in a van with people I don't know very well. And I didn't even know what Christian people did on mission trips. But I went. And I'm glad I did. It was good to know that I was making a difference in people's lives. And during that trip, I said a prayer out loud for the very first time. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but for me, it was a very big deal. One year later, I returned to Gulfport, Mississippi. And when we would finish up work on someone's house, we would form a circle. And I was one of the ones who would pray, bless the house, and bless the people living there. Again, doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but I was being given opportunities to step out. And I was growing. And my faith was getting stronger. I want to fast forward now two years. And we were on a mission trip in Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains at a Church of the Brethren Christian School. And about an hour and a half into the trip, the gentleman leading the group informs us that the school has a church service at noon every day where all the school gathers in the gymnasium for a 25-minute sermon. And he said, someone from our mission team has to do it tomorrow. And he looks at me and said, we all think it should be you. I said, me? I can assure you, it's not going to be me. And what makes you even think that I would be able to stand up and give a sermon? And he said, well, you play in a band. You're the only one that's comfortable being in front of a crowd. You have the best chance of pulling it off. I said, I'm not being asked to play a guitar solo. You're asking me to preach. But I have to admit, the guy kind of had a point. Unfortunately, I was the most qualified. So we wrote this little sermon about serving as we drove the rest of the way there. I pretty much got no sleep that night because I was so nervous. And the fear that I had before I had to step out there. Let me tell you, it wasn't butterflies. Butterflies are a good thing. I still get butterflies. I had pigeons flying around in my stomach, disturbed, sick pigeons fighting, and they were trying to kill each other. But I stepped out, and I did it. And that was like the first time that I ever felt that maybe God was calling me to do much more than I ever imagined or that I ever thought was even possible. Some of you have no idea what you're capable of doing. 
until you step out and you start doing it. You see, it's how we grow. It's how we grow. It's how we continue on this path that God is leading us on, that God is leading us to. Is it uncomfortable at times? Yes, it is. Is it scary at times? Yes. My dad's superhero, his Avenger, John Wayne, the Duke, once said, Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Joshua 1 verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You cannot let fear keep you from stepping out of the boat. Remember, it's not about what you can do. That's a risk. It's about what God can do. A step of faith. So now you know how important it is to step in. And you know how important it is to step out. The third step Peter took and what God is calling a lot of us to do is to step up. Number three is step up. You know, it really shouldn't come as a surprise that it was Peter that stepped up at Pentecost. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, when he renamed him, I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. Peter in the Greek language means rock or stone. And here's something I need you to catch. Jesus didn't name Peter for what he was. He named him for what he would become. Because Jesus sees what we are capable of. Jesus already knew what Peter was capable of doing. Jesus already knew who Peter was capable of being. Peter had already been equipped. It just came down to an opportunity for Peter to make a decision. For Peter to do what he was in a position to do. For Peter to do what he was being called to do. For Peter to step up. Man, he did too. He didn't let fear stop him this time. And you know what? The same threats to his life were still there. However, instead of hiding in the shadows this time, instead of blending into the crowd this time, he stepped up on the temple steps and he proclaimed that Jesus is alive in front of the same Romans who 50 days earlier had crucified Jesus, in front of the same Jewish leaders who were responsible for the Romans crucifying Jesus. And he did it in front of the same people who were there at the time chanting for Jesus to be crucified. Man! Now that's a step of faith for the glory of God. I'm telling you, these three steps, they all led Peter to this moment. God called him and Peter stepped in. He stepped out and Jesus prepared him. The Holy Spirit empowered him and he stepped up. And you know what? It's no different for us. What holds us back is not what we failed to do in the past. 
It's what we failed to do right now. Man, don't let fear keep you from stepping up. Don't let uncertainty keep you from stepping up. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Will there be opposition? Yes. If there's not, it's not a step of faith. It's just a risk. Will there be people questioning you? Yes. Will there be people getting in your business? Yes. There was a little boy sitting on his step eating candy just as fast as he could unwrap it. Man passing by saw what he was doing. He said, son, all that candy is not good for you and it'll spoil your dinner. Little boy said, well, I don't know about all that. But my grandpa lived to be 102. The man said, wow, you mean by eating candy? Little boy said, no, by minding his own business. Listen, I don't know what God's calling you to do. I don't know what God's putting on your heart. I don't know where God has you right now. But I do know this. God never calls anyone to stay on the sidelines. Man, God has you in a position for a reason. You're not there by chance. And you're not the wrong person. God is yet to make his first mistake. You're in a certain position because God knows that you are capable of doing it. And you have the same Holy Spirit in you that Peter had. I'm telling you, every single step that you take is leading you somewhere. I bet Peter never imagined that in spite of all his mishaps and all his screw-ups and failures, that every step he was taking, every risk he was chancing was leading him to a moment that the Holy Spirit would usher in the church and that God would have him, a former fisherman, stand up and lead it. And what's God calling you to do? Step in, step out, step up, and you're going to find out. Philippians 4 verse 3 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's bow our heads. Well, Father God, we, we stand before you right now. A community of people like Peter who have failed to stand up for you at times. Who have tried to do things our own way instead of yours. And God, we ask right now for forgiveness. And God, I pray for a conviction in each one of us to take a step towards you. 
Maybe we've gotten too comfortable at times. And God of bold prayers, we ask you to make us uncomfortable. God, we want to know what we can do to bring you glory and to bring honor to your name. God, we long to be a church that sees a need, decides we are the people that can, should, and will do something about it. God, we want to take steps of faith for your glory and for your kingdom. And if there's anyone here today that's never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ and you feel like God's calling you to step in, I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. You can say it in your heart. We can all say it out loud together. But if you're ready to lay down your net, if you're ready to gain a new name and a new identity and a new life and a new eternal destination, repeat after me, dear God, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead to bring me new life. I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to him. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.